0: I want to look really at two men. The first man I want to look at was a murderer. Because it sets a story up for the second person we're going to look at. This man did everything in his power to hurt people who did not believe what he believed. Now, if you followed a different way than he taught, then he would work hard to have you killed. Especially, he targeted Christians. So, we start the story. This man's name was Saul. Now... Who was Saul? Saul was a Jew. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, and he came an impassioned member of the Pharisees. This is, this is a man in the Bible here that we're talking about in the New Testament. He came from the city of Tarsus. He grew up in the midst of a, the Greco-Roman culture and was a Roman citizen. So he was a Jew, but he was also a Roman. His parents were Pharisees. They were fervent Jewish nationalists, and they adhered strictly to the law of Moses who sought to protect their children. They wanted to protect them from contamination, you know, from the Gentiles. The Gentiles were opposite, were different than they were. Anything Greek was despised in Saul's household. And at the age of 13, Saul was sent to Israel to learn from a rabbi named Gamaliel, under whom Saul mastered Jewish history, the Psalms, the works of the prophets. His education would continue for five or six years as he learned such things as dissecting Scripture. Scripture. He was comfortable in Jerusalem, but he was also capable of moving into places like Crete, Greece, and Rome. It was during this time he developed a question-and-answer style known in ancient times as a diatribe. This method of articulation helped rabbis debate the finer points of Jewish law to either defend or prosecute those who broke the law. Now, Saul went on to become a lawyer, and all signs were pointing to him becoming a member of the Sanhedrin, which was a huge thing. That was the Jewish Supreme Court made up of 71 men who ruled over Jewish life and religion. Saul was very zealous for his faith. And this faith that he was so zealous for did not allow any compromise. I mean, he was a Jew to the point that death was the only way to correct what you were doing if you weren't willing to go his way. As a young man, he was drafted by his fellow Pharisees to actively investigate and prosecute the early followers of Jesus. There was a man named Stephen. He was a deacon in the early church, a great man of God. And Saul might have been present in his trial, but for sure the Bible tells us that Saul was there holding Stephen's coat, When he was stoned to death because Stephen believed in Jesus. Now, in Acts, Peter delivered his defense of the gospel and the defense of Jesus in front of the Sanhedrin, and Saul heard this. Gamaliel was also present and delivered a message to calm the council and prevent them from stoning Peter at the time, but Saul was there with them. From that moment on, Saul became even more determined to eradicate Christians as he watched the Sanhedrin flog Peter and the others. He became ruthless in his pursuit of Christians as he believed he was doing this in the name of God. So I just wanted to give you a little history of who Saul was. He was ruthless. He believed what he was doing was right even though it was wrong and it just, he was killing people because they didn't believe exactly like he did. He was a murderer. I mean, he was, he, he's just not a guy that you'd want to be around unless you believe the way he did. Now, as we learned last week with uh, Zacchaeus, God took a notorious sinner and changed his life instantly. Now, I want to look further into this man that that God changed this, this guy's life too, Saul, from a murderer to somebody who could save many people, someone who actively works for God's message instead of what he was doing, which was working against God's message. So Saul was going around killing people and every Christian would get chills down their spine even if they heard the mention of Saul's name. If you had been a Christian during his time and I said, hey, Saul Saul is over here at the Chinese place eating food. You'd be like, well, what? Let's go somewhere else. Let's not let him find us here. Because of his reputation, he was bad news. He was out to get every Christian. So in your word, in your Bible, in your app, Acts chapter, one, or chapter 9, verse 1 through 2. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 2 is where we're going to start here. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for the cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them both men and women back to Jerusalem in chains. So Saul is on his way. He's headed to Damascus to take out as many Christians as he can. He wants to round them up. He wants to chain them up. And he wants to take them with him. He had the backing of the Jewish leaders. He was I suspect he was pretty giddy that he was allowed to go and hunt these guys down, hunt these Christians down. That's what he was doing. He was hunting Christians and put them in chains and then eventually kill them. Now, this sounds so sinister, but what is so cool about this whole story is that God had a plan. And no matter who you are and in this situation, who Saul was, you cannot stop God's plan. When God's got a plan, He's going to make sure it happens. No matter how hard they try, an unlimited God cannot be stopped. It's just not possible. He has a plan. He's going to carry it out. He's going to fulfill his plan. And when we look around and we see what is happening in this world right now, a little, sometimes we get a little bit worried. Do you get a little bit worried sometimes? You look at the, the political atmosphere. You look at what's going on across the world in other countries. And you go, God, what's, what's going to happen? How are we going to do this? How are we going to make this happen? You know, when I was planning this church, I'm like, this is not the right time to be planning a church. Everything's falling apart. You know, you want to plant a church and everything's going good and everybody wants to, do, wants to go to church and everybody wants to run into church. But instead, that's not what God has planned at this time. And right now, God has a plan. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he's going to make sure that the gospel is spread to all the earth no matter what happens. Now, realize that Christianity in, in this time that Saul was living was very new. We have the Bible. They didn't have the Bible. The day of Pentecost had come and the Holy Spirit had been poured out. In a quick plug, come on Wednesday night. Mike Hill will be teaching Wednesday night. We're in Acts. It's so much fun. We have some snacks. Bring some snacks and enjoy yourself. It's going to be a great time. Uh, we started this last week with uh, RC. and This week Mike finally gets to teach whether he likes it or not. So come on out and make him happy. So, back to where I was at to this regularly scheduled programming. The day of Pentecost had come and the Holy Spirit had been poured out and Christians were under attack. And all, all Christians were wanting to do was lead people to Jesus. They were not trying to do anything else. They just loved people. They cared about people. They knew what Jesus could do for, for them. If I was a Christian during that time, I'd probably have been asking God to take out Saul. You know? You ever had somebody, you just wish they could get taken out Maybe you didn't know him personally, but you know, you've seen him, the, the murderers or other things. Maybe you did know him. Okay. Yeah, I saw his few smiles there. Now let's jump back in and see that God had a different idea in Acts 9, 3 through 9. It says, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Let's just stop there a second. Okay. Saul is here, he stopped, and there's a light shining, and somebody's talking to him, and Saul's talking back, but nobody else is hearing this. When God wants to get your attention, he can get your attention in an audible voice that only you can hear. If that's what he needs to do, that's what he can do. We see it right here. He did that right there. Now, let's jump back in here. Now, the, it says, Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now, if you were Saul at this point, what do you think was going on in Saul's mind? I, I would not doubt that he was probably thinking, I'm about to die. I'm blind? I mean, what good am I now? You know, back then, uh, you know, you just couldn't go down and have the surgeon correct your eyesight. What am I going to do now? Here he is going to go take out these Christians. And this God, Jesus himself, that he's trying to eradicate from the region has just stopped him dead in his tracks. Now, if God, if God is so strong that he blinds me and I've been trying to take out his followers, I'm going to be a little bit worried. I'm going to be a little bit concerned about what's fixing to happen to me but something much bigger than he he is had stopped him on the road and this is the day that his life would start to change so he picks himself up he heads to Damascus what's he going to do now he's blind Jesus spoke to him he didn't know what God was going to do so let's look in Acts 9 10 through 16 it says now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias yes Lord he replied The Lord said, Go over to the straight street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming to him and laying hands on him so he could see again. But, Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So now we learn about a man named Ananias. This is the second guy I was telling you about. First was Saul, now there's Ananias. And this guy was a believer. He was a believer that listened to God. Now how do we know that Ananias listen to God because any man in his right mind would not that was a Christian would not be headed over to hang out with Saul you see what I'm saying so Ananias was either crazy or he was hearing from God and we know he's not crazy because he was like wait a minute I don't want to have to go over here because I know how bad this guy is but Ananias would be used by God to change a man's life to completely turn it around Number one, God can use you to radically change someone's life. If you have your worship uh, uh, flyer with you, your worship bulletin there, this is on the back. You can fill this in. God can use you to radically change someone's life. I want you to get that. God can use you. A lot of times we want to say God can use someone else. No, God can use you to change someone's life and you you're saying that's that's not possible i'm nobody i can't do something like that i don't know how to talk i'm no preacher but see that doesn't matter what matters to god is that you listen to him see if you'll listen to god he can use you to turn a person's life around and turn that person's life to him but it's even bigger than that because when we look at saul This was just the beginning of his walk with the Lord. And it could be the same for the person that God sends you to. Look at what Ananias did in Acts 9, 17 through 19. It says, so Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, brother Saul. Notice, he had already accepted what the Lord had said to him. He called him brother. Brother Saul the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might reign, regain your sight, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He regained his sight. He got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. So Ananias has listened to God, and God began something big, a lot bigger than Ananias. but God gave Ananias. The courage to do this. So, the second thing I want you to remember this morning is God will give you the courage to be the change in someone's life. God will give you the courage to be the change in someone's life. You, you, you have to understand no matter who this person is or what this situation is and how you're going to get to them, God will give you the courage. You don't have to be scared, God will give you the courage. I'm going to suspect that the person that that God's going to send you to or persons in your life, that most of them are not going to be like Saul. They're probably not. But how scared do we get when we just want to talk to somebody? Oh, what if they reject me? What if they think something else, this and that, the other? But if we will just listen to God in that moment that we have an opportunity to talk to that person, he will give us the courage He has shown this over and over again in the Bible how he'll give people courage. People like Daniel who was was so devoted to God that he prayed three times a day. This is a man of God in the Bible in in the Old Testament. When the king issued a a decree that nobody could pray or worship anyone but him, Daniel refused to comply and was thrown into the den of of hungry lions. But God gave him courage. He knew what his sentence would be but he gave him the courage to stand and be a witness for him another person that you may remember when Rachel Scott went to school at Columbine High School in Littleton Colorado April 20th 1999 she probably didn't have any idea that this would be the day that she took the biggest stand for Christ ever one that would cost her life when two guys she knew walked on campus, she was the first person that they found on their kill list. And they walked up to her and because she would not denounce Christ, they killed her. I want you to stop just a second, and take a look at this quick video here. Good morning. It's Tuesday, April the 20th, 1999. We have a clear, sunny spring morning in the Denver Metro. Is this some kind of prank? America and the world mourns as the biggest school shooting in U.S. history took place today at Columbine High School. been drawn to hands I think it's because it's the way that we touch people I have this theory that if one person can go out of their way to show compassion it could start a chain reaction I want to be a light but it feels so dark what's up <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought it was gonna be different this year I don't understand why having a walk with God is so hard for me he's there as hard as that is to grasp he's in control i'm gonna make a difference in the world i have no doubt you will can i help you i just want to live my life for jesus and let people take whatever they want from that what's your problem think you're better than us how can you really believe in some being up in the sky that you can't even see sometimes you have to see with your heart but what you said back there was really cool. It inspired me. I just want something like you have. Compassion is the greatest form of love that humans have to offer. Hey, I'm Rachel. Tomorrow's not a promise. You ready? Yeah. There's no easy answer, but I don't think that God wastes anything. Jesus gave his life for me, and I'll give my life to him. All Rachel Scott wanted to do was lead people to Christ and share the message of love with them, the message of compassion with them. And they when they looked through their journals, just the things, the the prophetic stuff that she was writing in her journals was just amazing. But I think that's even more amazing is the people that were her that were around her, the other youth that were around her at school would say the same thing. It wasn't just something that she wrote, it was something that she lived. There's a one story of a a young man who was working and he saw on the news that Rachel Scott had been killed. And He said, I never got a chance to say thank you because he was in a class with her one day and uh, some guys were bullying him in the class and got him in trouble. He was a a young black man in an all-white class and she stayed afterwards while the teacher left the classroom to say, I'm going to be back and I'm going to take care of this situation when I get back. But she stayed with him and talked to him and told him, look at your future. Look at a future where everybody wants to follow you and wants to listen to you and respects you. Look at your future and let's walk that out in our minds together. And after it was over with, he he went and he he put a letter, he 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 put a letter on her grave to tell her thank you for what she did to, to for him. This was who she was. She wanted to reach everyone. And even her dad, after this happened and after she was killed, he forgave. And he says, I forgave those two boys for what they did to my daughter. I forgave them because I know they wanted me to hate them, but I forgave them. God used her. Now, did she deserve deserve to die? No, she didn't. But because of that, to this day, people are coming to Christ because she stood and God gave her the courage to stand. Now maybe she could have protected herself and saved her life if she would have said, no, I don't believe in God. Only an unlimited God can give you the courage to stand in a situation like that. Sometimes it's only an unlimited God that can give you courage to, to talk to somebody about him. Only he can give you the courage to to be the most effective witness that you can be for him. Number three, his plan is for you to reach the unreached. His plan is for you to reach the unreached. Rachel Scott believed in this unlimited God so much. This is what Rachel Scott said. God, I want you, in her journal, I want you to use me to reach the unreached. Like I said, she didn't deserve to die. Let's take a look back at Saul. Did he deserve to die? I would say yes. Look at what he had done. But God knew what the plan was. Other than Jesus, the Saul who most of us know as the Apostle Paul, that's who Saul really was, who he became. Had more teaching in the New Testament, only Jesus was the one that had more teaching than him. Thirteen books of the New Testament are attributed to the Apostle Saul, Paul, the Apostle Paul. And we say he deserved to die, but God instead would use him to reach an untold number of people with the message of Christ. Half of the New Testament was written by a man who had went out to exterminate Christians. But because of a man named Ananias that took the courage that God gave him, a life was changed. Rachel Scott did not deserve to die. When you talk to her classmates and the people that were around her, she would, every one of them would tell you how great a person she was, how compassionate she was but god used her through her death to reach an untold amount of people with the message that god is real jesus saves and he loves you can you say today i want you to reach me i want you to use me to reach the unreached can you say that in your heart in your mind today can you say that Is our life where it needs to be that we can do that? Is your mind where it needs to be so that you can do that? Is your heart where it needs to be so that you can reach the unreached? Paul's wasn't. But an unlimited God changed all that. God used a Christian man to do this. No one's special in the world's eyes, but in God's eyes, he was. You may say, I'm no one special, but in God's eyes, you're everything he needs. God gave him the courage to make an impact by following his plan. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes just for a a minute here. Today, maybe you're in a situation like Paul. But God can change your life. You may say, man, I've been bad. I've done a lot of bad stuff. God can change that. Today, you may be in a situation like Ananias. But God will give you the courage to go and speak to that person. Or maybe one day, You'll be in the same shoes that Rachel Scott was in, but don't worry. God will be with you, and he will give you the courage to stand if you just trust in him.